In this episode, we're sharing a new strategy for social media managers to help you to embrace the new era of private social media. You're listening to JFDI with the two Lauras. This is the weekly podcast where the two of us chat about all things related to building a business as a freelancer. Every week, we share tips, advice, and inspiration about business, marketing, and social media to help you build a business that fits around your lifestyle and family, but also pays you well. In today's episode, we're talking about how we can change up our content strategy to embrace the new era of social media. These days, saying something on social media once just doesn't cut it because no one sees all your content, so there is huge power in repeating yourself. But repeating and repurposing your content doesn't mean publishing the same post or the same message multiple times. It means using different content formats to say the same thing, which can be really hard. So we've put together the ultimate guide to remixing your content to help you to reuse your best content really quickly and then help your audience to really understand how you can help them. Because when you do that, you can position yourself as an expert and win more clients. To get our ultimate guide to remixing your content for free today, just go to the twolauras.com forward slash ultimate. That's the twolauras.com forward slash ultimate. Okay, on with the show. So I would pretty much bet my mortgage that nine out of 10 people, I know, nine out of 10 people listening to this podcast will have at some point while they're doing their job or marketing their own business, got really frustrated with the lack of engagement on their post recently. Maybe even got to that point where they think that the algorithm is punishing them. The whole shadow band term probably (laughs) springs to mind. And they're probably just thinking, oh my God, I hate this. What the hell am I going to do next? How am I going to keep these clients happy? And so that's what we're going to talk about today because we do have good news. It's not not you. (laughs) It's them, not your clients. I would just like (laughs) your audience. (laughs) I'll see your nine out of 10 and I'll raise you 10 out of 10. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> but I'm not betting my mortgage on it. Okay, good. So yeah, it's a problem, isn't it? Like we know that people are struggling with this. We ha- we see people commenting and asking questions about this all the time in our groups. And it can be really frustrating, but because you do start to think it must be me. I must be really crap at this because no one's engaging. What mm. am I doing wrong? And we can, you know, tell ourselves all these stories, oh, it's Christmas and people are busy and all of that stuff. Some of that is true, but it's not just that, is it? Like social media has changed. And when I say that, I don't mean that algorithms has changed. That's not what we're talking about here. Other algorithms change every single day. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people, how people are using social has changed dramatically, yeah. would you say? Oh, I only have to look up myself, which I appreciate <laughs> isn't a large data collection, but I look at how I use social. We can all see it, can't we? We can all see it. on fa- If you're on Facebook still, <laughs> look at your Facebook memories and look how you used to, like 13 years ago, I'd have been sharing inane updates every probably 20 minutes that no one <laughs> would now give a shit about. At the time, that was the kind of thing that people used. It was more kind of conversational, I guess, wasn't it? When you used yeah. to share your updates or your what mm. you're doing now thing. And I used to share so much, like totally probably too much. Like, And this is just my personal like use, not mm. from a business perspective. But also on those memories, I bet you had loads of comments because oh, everyone yeah, would yeah. be, com- you'd have these open conversations, right? I would even have, like I saw someone the other day had posted on my feed or whatever it would have been, on my homepage. What was it called on Facebook? Your 
profile. Yeah. How it's like your this feed? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Shen our age here. But so someone would, and it was like we were having a conversation. Oh, on your wall. Your, your wall. wall. Your wall. So someone had put on my wall something like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that happened today," and I was like wonder what happened so I looked at like the comments and I'm going back saying oh my god yeah I'm so mortified I can't believe and we had this whole conversation with someone who I had clearly seen the day before and it was like it was more like of like messaging like toing and fro yeah and I couldn't give a, a shit that all of my Facebook friends will have also been able to see that conversation and all her friends will have been able to see that conversation because there were other people joining in on this conversation. Whereas now I have become way more conscious of what am I sharing to the point now I very rarely do like I do on stories, like I share stuff on stories all the time because I know it's going to go. Whereas yeah, stuff on my Facebook and again, just as a personal like consumer I don't really engage with businesses on my Facebook anymore I only really share photos of the kids a lot of them I do that as private Mm. because I'm using it as more of like an online photo album so you can get the memories yeah yeah but not for like public well not those public consumption but you know it's I don't really do make like updates only maybe significant things or wish people birth happy birthday like that in itself, just if I'm looking at mm. how I've changed on, on Facebook over the years, is, is huge. And I'm like, yeah. we had this conversation the other day, didn't we, about Facebook, about what we do first. And you were like, oh, well, I always go to explore first. And I do stories or whatever you said. And then I might check my DMs or whatever the order was. And I was like, it just made me acutely aware that really I only look at stories. I don't really mm. look at, I might look at the top few posts that are in my feed, but I don't consume a lot of content on the grid. And I know I'm yeah. going to be the, my, the only one. And what I tend to be doing is just sharing it with people. Like I'll find a post that makes me laugh and I'll share it into my DMs. Occasionally I might share it into stories. But so 100%, yeah. that, and that, I know that is just me, but I think we as marketers. Yeah, but I'm the same. I'd like, I'm forever sending you posts going, oh my God, I love this. But I would, ne- I never comment on the post going, oh my God, I love this. Yeah, and we're bad. I'm like, very really. selfish with that, really, if you think about it. Yeah. But we're not the only, like, everyone's acting like that. Yeah. It's become the new normal. So we're not being punished by an algorithm. It's not a problem with reach. It's not Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, not showing our content. It's how people are reacting with that yeah. content as in they're not, so therefore the algorithm doesn't know to show it to more people. So it's the people that's the issue. The interesting thing is, which I suppose is the crux of this, like why we're having this podcast today, is that we as marketers still think, well, we've just got to keep putting content out and hopefully someone will engage with it. Whereas what we need to do is embrace this new way that people use it and then we optimise our content for this, for the people You've always got to remember, it's not about what you want to say. It's about what your audience wants to hear or do. 100%. And that's what I think we, and we can all do this. Like, I I just think of my clients alone, like the clients I have now, the constant of, they want to say this. This is the message they want to get out. This is what they need to be saying this month. And I'm like, okay, but what do our audience want to see so that's the biggest like the challenge that has always been but now we need to think what is it that we want them to be doing with that and I had this conversation with my client yesterday I met with him and I was saying 
people don't engage like they used to. So they do more in like closed groups, etc. And we can kind of come on to that. But in our, on a public page, you don't have those kind of lots of like conversational posts so much anymore. There will be obviously mm. some in isolation. But so I was like, how do we embrace this? How do we accept the fact that there's got to be lots more of that private sharing and that? How do we optimize for that? How do we, what are our benchmarks to know whether our content is working? Because we can't just go, oh, well, that's had no comments and no likes, therefore it's shit. Because mm. we just don't know that anymore. So, it, and it's de- that is definitely a conversation we all should be having with our clients and try to be proactive about it now, rather than in six months, 12 months time going, why is nothing working? And you're still kind of yeah. optimizing your content for 2027, no? 20, yeah, 27. No, 2017. 2017. That would do. That would do. Oh, dear. I think what you just said there is is really interesting as well, though, because like if I think about the people who I follow and the people who I consume the content of, I think there's a lesson in that when you're creating content. So, for example, and just off the top of my head, like I follow various different copywriters. And there are some copywriters who I have notifications turned on because their posts are so good. They're always so, so good. I don't go and engage with them, but I will save them. I will send them to you sometimes Mm -hmm. and I will learn from them. So if I was wanting to hire a copywriter, I don't, we have an amazing copywriter. Hi, Delia, if you're listening. But if I was going to, those would be the sort of people who I would be, they would be on my mind. Whereas there's also all these other copywriters who come up in my feed sometimes and their content isn't what I'm looking for. Their content is what they want to say. Like you were just saying, it's not what I want to see. Yeah. So they're not on my radar so much. They're not the people who I'm going to send and share it in a DM or talk to somebody about because it's that's not what I want to see. So I think what you just said about saying what your audience wants to see is so important and people forget that so much. And it's about so just have like think about what you're looking for. And it's about having a true I know, you know this comes up all the time in marketing, but it is so true. It's that understanding the audience and what clicks what makes them take action what is happening like what is happening in your target audience whatsapp groups because that's where content will be shared you know if your clients are aimed at mums for example because they're the main whatsapp groups that i'm in what is it that mums share like and like a lot of it is x-rated in my whatsapp groups you know but and then how can you tap into that like what is it that's making a group of moms share loads of content into whatsapp groups in a private environment that a business can share that also positions them well and all their products well or whatever that may be or helps them to grow their or whatever their objective is and you're never going to know that you're never going to know what's happening in these private conversations without good and good understanding of your audience so maybe now it's more than ever that all that audience understanding and building those personas and having doing proper research is probably more important than it's ever been Yeah, definitely. And I think that brings us on to like the first kind of thing that you could start doing with this new strategy, which is that shareable content, isn't it? Because like we've already talked about like, you know, creating the content that people want to see, but you also, it's also creating that content that people want to and are really happy and confident to share openly. Because when you share something on social that someone else has created, it's kind of like you're staking your own reputation on it. You know, like I could share some a, an amazing piece of content from somebody. It turns out that that person is a massive raving racist, and because I've shared that post, that then comes back on me. Yeah, so like, like you're endorsing it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Even if that post wasn't racist, people are much more considered about what they share from other people. They really go and look, who is this person? Are they reputable? And all of that stuff before they will share it. Because then they're, it's tied on their social profile yeah. kind of almost, isn't it, for the long term? So you have to think about that. I am someone who, and it's quite sad when you think about it, I'm the classic, I share things that make me laugh. That I don't, mm. occasionally I, I share quite powerful messages maybe or more newsworthy stuff but the by and large the content I share is is humor and it's that emotional the content I share is very passive aggressive it's like (laughs) I wish I'd said this read this because this is my opinion but I'm not brave enough to say it yeah and I think like the amount of times now like probably five years ago I'd have totally been sharing anything anything that made me Mm. laugh I would share it Mm. because I think I want other people to I want to make other people laugh and I'm not funny enough to do that yeah. myself. So I'm going to do that by sharing this content. Whereas now I, I know I see things. I'm, they, I'm, I laugh, like I laugh. And my instinct is I'm going to share this, but then I go, oh, is this going to offend anybody? Like we're mm. all obviously so much more aware of offending people and which is a bit sad really. But, you know, obviously, you know, you want to respect your audience. You don't want to piss off your audience, but So there are plenty of things that I don't share anymore. And it's interesting because I can see the people who've liked it and commented are like a lot of like the people I I engage with, I follow. I like, so I know large majority of my audience would probably find that funny too, but I don't because the fear of getting it wrong of, and that's from a consumer perspective. So from a marketer's perspective, it's so much harder now to create shareable content that isn't going to offend anybody, but it's funny enough or sparks an emotional reaction enough to make people share it. It's yeah. not easy. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely. Because I think people need, they, people need to have a good reason anyway to kind of pay attention to it. So you've got to do that job of getting them to discover it or stop scrolling. Then you've got to do the job of getting them to actually consume it. Then you've got to do the good job of getting them to feel confident enough to share it. It's like, it's a big job. Yeah, Shareable yeah. content's a big job, but it's important. Yeah. And it should have always been in your kind of content strategy. Like we should all have always been thinking, is can I create shareable content and what is it and, and therefore doing it? But I think going forward, that still needs to remain high on people's agenda, but we just need to think probably slightly differently about what actually people are sharing. And go and have a go and look. Like, what are your audience sharing? Are they sharing funny things? Are they sharing kind of morally strong messaging? Like, what is it that your audience shares? Go and like do a bit of stalking. It's like my favorite part of the job. And then recreate that and see if you can generate that same kind of reaction. Yeah, definitely. Okay, my second point or our second point, I think, is like that focus that you need to kind of switch when it comes to metrics because, and this relates back to so to sharing, like when I share, most of the stuff I share is either in a screenshot that I send to Laura in Slack or I've just sent it to it like in a DM. So I don't really share it publicly. So you need to start paying attention to like more private kind of metrics because a lot of those you're not going to see the metrics for those. So you need to focus on the metrics you can see. So for example, like saves, right? So people are saving something privately. No one else can see that they've saved it. They're confident to save it. So that's quite an important metric because you kind of still know that that piece of content really resonated with that person enough for them to save it. Also, like metrics, like how many messages have you had with somebody? You know, the the deeper kind of like things that you can't really put a number on, but how much conversation, how much of this relationship with this person has been built, you know, those are quite important metrics that 
I think in the past, people have probably kind of wavered against paying too much attention of because, oh, yeah, saves, that doesn't really mean anything. It just means they've saved it or metric, you know, messages. I can't really measure that. But it's important. It's really important because that's how you're going to build those kind of relationships. And those things will help you to then create more content that people like and want to share and, and all of that stuff. It's like on Instagram with the in the analytics, they have the other, don't they? Is it other? Mm. Yeah, it's other. And other yeah. is that it's essentially this, isn't it? It's where your content mm. has been shared potentially off the platform or into group on Instagram or on WhatsApp, what have you. It's WhatsApp been, wherever, yeah, yeah, so that other... It'd be interesting, actually, to kind of look back. This is like my datary person kicking in now. It it would be interesting to see if your other has grown over the last year, two years, that kind of thing. Because, and I would expect that that will continue to grow. And that, so although it's a bit of a crap, <laughs> crap analytic mm. to look at other, but actually that would be quite interesting to see if that that grows. But that you need to be yeah. looking at that metric in Instagram because I know Instagram is quite difficult from a metric perspective in terms of looking at shares and things, especially into a DM. Yeah. So that other will become quite an important metric, I think, on Instagram. Yeah, definitely. It's the whole dark social, isn't it? You know that things are happening. You know that people are coming to you, but you've no idea how or why or where they're coming from because you just can't track it. And it's yeah. really frustrating, which kind of brings us on to another point. <laughs> Tracking. Smooth. <laughs> I know. I totally did that by accident, by the way. Um, actually, I should own it. No, I totally, I, that was pre-planned. <laughs> Give me my Grammy now. I'm ready for it. Can you get a Grammy for a podcast? Don't know. Yeah, tracking. Like, we've been talking about this on podcasts recently quite a bit about tracking and, you know, using data and all of that stuff. And I hate data. You may well have heard me say that before. Laura is the data geek around here. She will go and stick her head in Google Analytics for hours. I'm like, what on earth are you even looking at? It's just numbers and graphs to me. But you can't get that data for Laura to go and look at or anyone else unless you're doing the tracking. And when you've got these like other and you don't know where they're coming from, you need to make sure that you're trying to track as much of that data as you can. So we've spoken on the podcast before about tracking with UTMs, which is that that weird end piece of your URL where it says like Facebook, medium equals Facebook or source equals Instagram, whatever it is. You need to put those in all of the links, no matter where you're sharing them. And I think in the past, people have probably been like conscious of putting them on ads or maybe even conscious of putting them on posts, but they need to be in your link in bio. They need to be in your messages that you're sending. If you're using like many chat bots, they need to be in there. They need to be in every single link that you are sharing anywhere should have a UTM so that you can try and track when people are clicking those things and go and go and track that. Obviously, if somebody's just going off to Google and searching, that's, you know, you can't track that. Um, but if people are sharing a link and it's got that end piece of that UTM, then that's going to help you to try and track that data. But you're not going to see that data in the social media platforms. You're going to have to go and use Google Analytics to get that information, um, which from my perspective is very frustrating because I have no idea what I'm doing there. But Laura Davis does, thankfully. Yeah, but then there are also ways. In, like we had this conversation just the other day where we were talking about tracking and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know whether that we're going to be able to get that from Google Analytics. And because I've become so focused on, I think the only way we can track things is via Google Analytics because that's where I spend mm. my spare time. But, you know, it's things like we've got more into having like separate lead pages for certain platforms mm. and we can look at we use convert box for our lead generation so we can look at that as well 
we do a lot more of post-purchase asking people where they found us what you know what made them make that purchase those kind of things um you know and people will say to us oh somebody shared a post with me or someone a friend of mine was talking about you all things that you can't track someone having Mm. a conversation in a coffee shop we can't track yet so I think (laughs) let's hope let's hope we can never track that (laughs) that would be weird (laughs) so I think it's important that you don't yes you know I love it I love a UTM kind of and I love what you can find out in Google Analytics but think broader than that like what else can we be doing to ensure we're capturing as much information in terms of where people have come from how they found us that kind of stuff like that and that post-purchase is a great example that would be useful for both you and your clients yeah and I think it's about asking the right questions isn't it on post-purchase because like I think we're all used to seeing like after you've checked out on a a website and you've bought something it'd be where did you hear from us where did you find us and there's like boxes that you can tick and you know let's be honest we're just going to tick the first one it's just easy just tick the first one so we can move on to the next page whereas if you open ask more open questions and better questions you can just get much more insight so if you left the box open for somebody to tell you where they found you from you're going to get an accurate answer yeah um so just think about how you can do that and how you can advise your clients on doing that. But when they are doing that, make sure they're giving you that information because that's going to help you. Don't just let them collect the data and never share it with you because it's going to be really useful for your strategy moving forward. 100%. Like that would be... And I think that's the, what ends up happening, isn't it? Is that we just keep doing the same things because the same things mm. is what used to work. And then you just get mm. frustrated. It's like, why is this not working? This was working six months ago. Why is it not working? This worked last Christmas. Why is it not working yeah. this Christmas? And we think we've done something wrong. And then people are like, well, I haven't changed anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. it should still work. I haven't changed anything. That's the whole point. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, everything has changed. But and not having that data, you know, try and get access to your clients, Google Analytics. You don't need to be giving them any feedback. You don't need to be providing another service, but you could have access to it. So you could just have a look at it and ask Mm. them, oh, you know, I noticed that you've done really well in December. What feedback have you got? Where were people coming from? Which platform? You know, what are people saying on the post-purchase? Like all of this data, you need that because that is what is going to help you move forward and not just be keep doing the same thing that isn't working and becoming really frustrated by it because what happens is we blame ourselves and we sit there thinking we are shit maybe I'm not cut out for this maybe I just need to do something else maybe I'll go and become a copywriter maybe I'll go and become an email mom maybe social media is not for me and and it's not because you're a shit social media manager. It's just because we need to uh, embrace change and we just need to move forward with it. There's no point moaning about it. Nothing's going to change. We just need to go with it. We can't control how the world uses social media and it will continue to change forever. And actually, if you take a step back and reflect on, like we were saying right at the start, how like my behaviors changed over the years if you just take it if you just kind of stop and think actually how has my behavior changed you'll start to realize how much we have already changed without realizing it and we just need to just embrace that and just keep trying to change it and keeping our clients informed of all of this as well so they realize 
Yeah, because I think you kind of can get stuck in your ways, can't you, when you're talking to your clients and being like, oh, God, my stat, my my analytics, my data is really rubbish this this month. And then you go to your clients and like, well, it is Christmas. You know, people aren't really on social because it's Christmas. And then the next time, well, it is Easter. Well, it is summer holidays. And at some point, your client's going to be like, well, is it that? Yeah. You know, so if you just have these open conversations and tell them, like, they need to know how people are using social so that they, the story you're giving them and the data you're giving them in your reports makes sense to them. Yeah. And they can be like, oh, okay, we got five shares this week. That's amazing because normally we get none. Yeah. You know, because people don't share our context. It's not shareable. Like, it's those small little wins that can really help a client to feel confident and in, in continue paying you. But yeah. They need to understand how it works and what you're doing. And um, so you do need to be more open. And also, the, how amazing is this as a content opportunity? There's so much stuff that you can be helping people with when you understand how to do this yourself. Yeah. And I think just practically speaking, obviously, we've covered on shareable content. But I also think what's really important for our content strategies going forward is that we're very much focused on discovery. Like, a lot of us create content for our followers, don't they? We, you know, we've got, mm. we've got 100 followers. I'm going to put stuff on the grid and that is to educate the people who follow us. And obviously, yes, we can still try and use hashtags. And that, to a degree, some, that works for some people, not so much for others. But we need to also think, okay, well, what else can we be doing to make more people find us? So we've obviously talked about shareable content, but are you optimizing your content for explore? Like, what are you doing to try to get in that explore feed? And this obviously is Instagram specific. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. You know, I think the things that we're talking about will still apply for all platforms. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing to make your content findable? Is that a word? Findable? Discoverable? Yeah. Discoverable. That would have been a better one. <laughs> like, are we using SEO? We should have been. We should have been. We've been talking about this for a year now. Over yeah, a year, over that. a year, where you need to be using keywords in your content on the large majority of platforms now. And, um, you know, just the other week, threads have now announced that they are using search functions. So that's really important that we now need to be using keywords on there if you haven't already. You know, so it it just goes to show how the platforms in theory are making it a lot easier for us for our content to be found mm. by by non-followers we just need to embrace that then the, the platforms aren't making it harder for us they're trying to make it easy for us despite everyone moaning and oh, my content's not being seen anymore yeah and it can be really easy to do that but it can also be really easy to forget so if you just like kind of set yourself a little habit of before you post just go and read back through your post and so like, for example, if one of our keywords was social media manager and we haven't put that in our post, I'll read back, be like, right, where does social media manager fit in this sentence to make it sound like a normal sentence? And I'll put it in there. So it's just thinking about what are those keywords that someone's going to look for that you want to be discovered for. And then once you've written your caption, where can you fit them in where it makes sense? Don't go and chuck a whole load of keywords at the end of your caption. Oh, like, no, thank you. Yeah, that I'm really no. hoping that stays in 2023. Yeah, that was just bad. So yeah. don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I so you do all the SEO, you use hashtags, whatever it is, depending on what platform you're on, in order to f for people to actually find you, whether they are searching for you, whether you're showing up in like an explore feed on Instagram, whatever. That's all well and good. But you need to do one more step. And this is the step that I think a lot of people forget about. When you're, and this is specifically for Instagram, but it does kind of apply everywhere else. If you think about how the Instagram explore feed or the hashtag feeds look when you open your phone, 
grab your phone, open your phone while you're listening to us, right? Open that up and you will see that there are these teeny weeny little squares of content. There might be some rectangles where there's some reels. The ones that you click are the ones that stand out to you, right? And everyone's explore feed is different. And I actually... I was, I can't remember who it was. I saw somebody on Instagram recently and they were talking about explore as if everyone's was the same. And it's not. Mm. Every single person has a different explore feed. My explore is very different to Laura's. Yeah. Um, so when you're looking at it, you're only seeing what your explore feed looks like, but it will give you a really good kind of steer as to what stands out. And if you're creating, for example, educational content, you're probably going to want to have, like on your first slide of a carousel, a massive headline that really stands out in huge writing that people can read in a really tiny, teeny tiny square because you need to give them something that's worth clicking. Whereas we're so used to creating something to go through our newsfeed that stops somebody scrolling, you also need to start somebody clicking in Mm. the explore feed because then they're scrolling. Yes, it needs to stop them, but it it needs to give enough kind of curiosity that they are like, oh, what's this? They click it, they open it, they read it. And if if yours doesn't do that, someone else's will. So yeah. you really need to be a bit considered about that. And like, so for example, just a photo of you, somebody who they've never seen with no context, they're unlikely to click it. Whereas if there's a photo of you standing next to the queen, being that she's dead, they probably would click it. <laughs> so, you know, that was a really bad example. But, you know. It's a really it, shit example. <laughs> really bad. But you need to give people, it's kind of like that clickbait thing, isn't it? Like what is going to make them make them click it? Yeah. Definitely. And all of this goes back to, again, understanding how we are using social media ourselves, but also other people around it. Like one of my favorite pastimes is if I'm sat, like, you know, when you're sat in the cinema and you're waiting for people, like, it's not started yet. So people have still got their phones out. I love like watching the row in front of me, how they use social media. I love like when I'm stood in the school playground, looking over people's shoulders, watching how they use social. Never stand in front of Laura <laughs> if you've got your phone in your hand. <laughs> it's so interesting though, watching people use it and how, you know, because we can't comment on that. We are social media people. We live and breathe this. We understand how the platforms work. Like I never forget a conversation I had to, it was a while ago now with I was on holiday with some friends and I said something about a reel I think it was I can't even remember now and they were like what a what and I was like a reel like I was like let's make that a reel and they were like what is that and I was like it's like one of these and they were like so a video yeah and I was like yeah okay yeah <laughs> like it's just so interesting sometimes we have to remove ourselves from being social media marketers and the best way to do that is by watching like I've always watched my husband how he does things on social media and it's really interesting it's really interesting so try to see that try to open your eyes to that and remind yourselves that we are very different beasts aren't we because we're yeah in social media And you know what I found fascinating is that people who work in social media are always so focused on, oh, what's the latest Instagram change? What's the latest feature on threads? And they're all about the new features. The new features won't affect your strategy. They're just buttons you've got to learn to press. The things that change your strategy is how people are acting and what people are doing when they're on those platforms. So you should be paying way more attention to the people than you are to the buttons and the features and the updates. And people get so overwhelmed by all of these new features, don't they? And they're like, oh God, not another one, which is obviously great meme content for us. But in reality, you shouldn't be feeling like that because that shouldn't be the thing that you're 
focusing your content creation on. Like some of these new features will help you to create better content, but they're not the be all and end all. The be all and end all is your audience and how they're using your content and what they're looking for and how they're using the platforms. That's the thing you need to be focused on. The final thing I think we need to think about for this kind of new era is, and this kind of does come back a little bit to how the algorithm's working in that not everyone is going to see all of your content. In fact, the vast majority of people who follow you or don't follow you are never going to see every single thing you post. So it's not enough to share your content once and say that message once. In fact, there's a massive waste of your time if you only do that. And if you're constantly trying to think of new things to say, new ideas, like how hello overwhelm, hello burnout, I think we need to focus instead on What are the key things we want to say or the key things we want to show somebody on social media? And that could be a message or it could be a product. What are those key things and how can we say that or show that in different ways as much as we can without kind of boring our audience or just sharing the same post every single time? And that's going to help because people like to see things in different ways. Some people will share lists. Some people will share carousels. Some people will comment on a reel. Some people won't even watch reels, right? So everything kind of needs to be in different formats. Um, So it's all about kind of thinking how you can do that. And we said at the beginning of this podcast, we mentioned our ultimate guide to remixing your content. So definitely going to go, go and grab that. Just go to the twolauras.com forward slash ultimate and go and grab that. And that will help you to do that. But just think about everything we've said in this podcast today. Like how can you try and make people feel confident and happy to share your content? What can you do to try and get them to engage? What happens if they share it in a DM or whatever? What links have you got? that attract all of those things and how can you then remix that content and get it shared more and you know get that message out there more i'm quite excited for a new kind of era of private social media i must say because i am a bit of a lurker these days same i'm me so i feel like i'll be less judged now that everyone's doing it (laughs) (laughs) don't judge me don't judge me (laughs) anyway so that is it for another episode of jfdi over the two lauras we will be back in your ears next week and in the meantime Keep creating content for private people, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Toodle pip! Toodaloo!